But I'm going to read our scripture for today. It's Isaiah 61 from the Common English Bible Version. And actually, in this section is embedded, renews uh, core verse or foundational verse, or what we call a Zera verse. Zera is just Hebrew for seed. Um, and if you go outside, on opposite side of that wall is a big kind of poster with an oak tree in the background and Isaiah um, 61, 2 through um, 3b um, on there, which is our foundational verse. So Isaiah, I'm going to be reading the um, entire chapter of Isaiah 61. Listen for the word of the Lord. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of mourning, and, or oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. That renew is where our name comes from. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of our God, of our Lord. You will re- be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. This is the word of the Lord. So back in 2010 or so, um, we used to live in these townhouses um, in Northgate. And across the street from our townhouse, uh, this was before Renew was a church or Renew was called Renew. We were actually, there was a small group of young adults who were meeting every Sunday evening in our living room, our small living room. We'd pack in 20, 25 people and uh, into our townhouse living room, and uh, it was great. That's how kind of was the beginning, um, beginnings of Renew. And we actually called the group Seed, uh, which is really interesting. Um, but there was a cemetery, there's a cemetery across from our townhouse, and it was really, a, I don't know if you have a cemetery near your house, and a lot of them have pathways and roadways, and they're very peaceful, so it's good people will run or walk their dogs. Um, so I used to take walks, um, prayer walks, and uh, just talk to God. And it's one, during one of these walks that God um, was speaking to me, was encouraging me, was kind of giving vision and giving hope and giving purpose into my life. I was in the middle of seminary. I think I was also working uh, at the same time. Isaiah was a young little toddler, right? Toddler. Um, Yeah, two years old. And um, so walking through the cemetery, asking God, what are you doing? What are you doing, God? What are you doing? And um, I want to pastor churches. I want to plant a church, but 
I don't see, I don't see it. I don't see the way. Um, and that's where Isaiah 61 kind of popped up on, on my phone. This idea that this people, uh, the people of God, will be a planting for the display of God's glory, for the display of the splendor of God. And that kind of stuck out to me because as I was reflecting on that, there's this big tree in the cemetery, and it was just this, this picture of, like, solidness, um, which was really amazing. And that's, that's how kind of Renew was born. Obviously, there were people and partners and other people involved with that. But in my own heart, as the pastor, as a becoming pastor, um, that was kind of the vision that propelled um, let's do this. Like, I, God has, has a plan. God has a calling. And that image of the tree, actually, um, trees have always, I remember uh, when I was in campus ministry, I was living in the basement of my supervisor's house, and it was just drywall. It wasn't finished, right? It was a basement that was just drywall. So I could draw on it, and I, I remember drawing a big tree, you know, with these roots and, like, labeling it and stuff. And that that kind of notion of large tree rooted in Seattle, rooted in the area, um, to be a blessing um, to the birds, to the, you know, animals all around, to be shade, to be cover um, for people, and a drawing, uh, you know, trees kind of draw new life, draw life, and are part of the cycle of life. Um, just a great image. And then you go into Psalms and Psalms 1, like a trees planted by streams of water that never, whose leaves never wither. This promise of God that when we're rooted in God, when we're planted uh, by the streams of water, that we don't wither, right? That we are given new life, that that's our sustenance. And that there's people out there that are starving and thirsty and hungering after God, starving and thirsting after good news. They want good news. They want salvation. And God is the source. God is the source and wanting to give new life to people. And then, you know, and then Renew and Northgate and the community center. And then we voted, this building opened up and we voted to move up here in Linwood. And the first thing we see when we come up here, what do we see? Right? Those, which direction are we? Those beautiful oaks right there. Like, they are landmarks. I remember people visiting and saying, never chop down those trees. They're like hundreds, you know, hundreds of years old, and they're, they're just magnificent, right? And they just spread their arms. And that, that verse of, they will be called oaks of righteousness in verse 4, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And I know you guys, if you've read some of the emails I've been sending lately, I've been leaving the signature uh, for his glory and for neighbor's good, right? That, that sense that we are the church and we are ministers planted by God for the display of God's glory and for neighbor's good. Both of those things together because part of displaying God's glory is uh, reflecting his desire uh, for good news in people's lives. And we see that in these verses, right? So 
if you look at the first two verses of Isaiah 61, they may sound familiar. And the reason that they sound familiar is that they come from Luke chapter 4, when Jesus has his ministry coming out party, basically. He goes into the temple, he unrolls a scroll, and he reads a section of this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from the darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and they have vengeance of our God, to comfort all those who mourn, and on and on and on, this promise of restoration, this promise of renewal, this kind of promise to turn the tables, Right? If you are rock bottom, I've come to set you free, to lift you up out of the ashes. If you are mourning, I've come to give you joy. If you are poor, I'm here to speak good news to you. If your heart is broken hearted, if you're broken hearted, I'm going to bind you up, meaning I'm going to surround you and hold you so you don't fall apart, right? Have we ever been a place out there, church, where we have felt brokenhearted and like we're falling apart, maybe even in the last three years, right? There's a certain point during this whole, like, journey we've on, been on with the pandemic when I've just been like, stop the madness. Like, can this just end, right? The, the stay, sitting at home for many of you, Right? Especially the introverts may have been having a party. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I have an excuse to say it. The extroverts were like, let me out of here. Like, I want to be with people. I want to go eat. I want to share together. But anyways, and even more seriously and, and more deaf, like how COVID brought out uh, the systemic injustices, like who was the most affected? Who was the most hurt? Who was the most financially burdened? Who did not have access to health care? Who um, were put in, uh, were had to put uh, their bodies in danger more, right? And how did that connect with social economic, you know, reasons or racial reasons, ethnic reasons? Um, all of that, the worst parts of our society emerged and we saw it right in front of our faces because when crisis comes, sometimes that pushes the buttons and all the ugly, unjust, unfair practices start to come and we begin to deal with it. That's why our country was in such an uproar. There was so much uh, protest, so much conflict, so much division. All of these things happen uh, when crisis happens. It's like you're a team. It's easy to be a happy team and be a good teammate when you're winning championships and you're winning. When you're losing, that's when the infighting starts. That's when the blaming starts. The same with society, same with communities, same with countries and nations and churches. Even when the going gets tough, either the tough get going or we fall apart. We fight. And so the promise here. Uh, from the speaker is that he has been sent to bind up those who are brokenhearted, whose hearts feel like they're about to spill out. God is going to hold us. God is going to protect us. 
God is going to enfold us to bind us up. I recently was listening to a sermon on this and the speaker who I won't name, I don't even know him, but he was talking about, you know, a lot of people debate about this passage uh, because it talks about the poor, it talks about good prisoners, it talks about those who mourn. And his point was, you know, a lot of people look at this and talk about it's about social justice or social, you know, this is about social justice. Um, and he was like, it's more, it's more about spirit, it's more spiritual. It's not actually the poor, it's uh, those who are poor in spirit. Or it's not those who actually mourn because of, you know, social economic injustices, but it's those who mourn because there are broken people in the world. There are spiritually depraved people in the world. And obviously I was disagreeing with this person because I think it's both and, right? You, we run the risk of being a church that's, uh, it's all about social justice and social reform, but there's no Jesus, right? Like, why are we doing this? There are people in the world who aren't in the church, who aren't believers, that do much better work than we do, right? They do good work. But without Jesus, you lack that aspect, which is in here, of salvation. The good news is about salvation for the world, right? And in Christ alone is salvation. In Christ alone is real transformation, but at the same time, there's people that individualize it too much and over-spiritualize it. It's not about, right, communities and social systems. It's not about the sin is personal sin, right? And the, the, the poorness is, you know, your, your sinfulness, your individual sinfulness. And so we should weep over how we've rebelled. We should weep over our sin. We should weep and mourn... Um, over um, how we've strayed from God and been disobedient to God. And so God is promising, like, if you come and repent, right, I'll receive you again. I'll hold you again. I'll forgive you. I'll lift you up again. I'll free you from the chains of your sin, which is, that's a message in there. But what is sin? Right? When we look at the sin and the walking away um, of Israel from God throughout Isaiah, it's not simply because they just disobeyed God or they had, you know, whatever. They broke the Ten Commandments. But if you see throughout Isaiah, he's talking about, you know, your injustices against the poor. Right? And he and calling for, there's a lot of jubilee language. Do you guys know jubilee? Right? The law, the Levitical law called for jubilee. Jubilee was every seventh year when, you know, the people who had given up their land um, to their uh, debtors, or no, to the people who owned their debt, after seven years, all of that would return back to the people who were in debt. They would receive their land back as a way of just like, you know, leveling the playing field again. A year of jubilee. So throughout 
even in the language of Jubilee, there's kind of that uh, restorative justice, right? A renewal, restoration. And it, ha- it has to do with being whole communities, right? Being communities of grace, compassion, mercy, and justice. And you know, they say every time you read righteousness in the Old Testament, in the Bible, you, should, you can substitute justice, right? I, the Lord, love righteousness, right? I, the Lord, love justice. Be a people of righteousness. Be a people of justice, right? So we can't disconnect. We can't over-spiritualize on this hand and disconnect the good news of God's salvation from society, right? Social, how things are going socially, how we live as just people, how we live as the beloved community, how we welcome the poor, how we welcome the foreigner and the stranger, the widow and the orphan. All of those are connected. But at the same time, we can't just strive and strive and do good deeds and do good works without being grounded, right, in Jesus Christ. Otherwise, like many people or many of us have done, we've burnt out, right? Because why are we doing good? I'm not getting medals anymore. People aren't clapping for me anymore. Or even when they clap, it's not enough to fill my soul. And I'm getting burnt out. Amen? But it's only when the church or the body, the community is filled and led by the Holy Spirit. Amen? The Holy Spirit empowers. And that's what we see at the beginning of Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. The Spirit of God. And when you hear the Spirit of God, don't you, aren't you reminded of Genesis? In the beginning, there was chaos and darkness covered the earth. And the Spirit of the Lord hovered. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Right? Whenever there's creation, whenever something is born anew, the Spirit of God is there. Right? God created humanity on the sixth day out of clay, right? Fashioned it in, the, in his image. And even, even the words in there was, let us create humanity in our image. Like in the plural, because God is Trinity, right? There's God in God's self is community. It's communal and relational by nature. He's not just talking to himself, let us do this, right? Like it's Holy Spirit, Word, Son, and Father. Let us. And what brings life to humanity, right? God breathed his spirit into the clay and animated Adam, and there's life. So there's that aspect of the Holy Spirit precedes activity of God in the world, right? And we need, we need the both and, right? The spiritual and kind of like, you know, the mission, I guess, right? And anything that the church does, we can't go ahead by our own will and our own strength and our own plans and build something. Because what does the scripture say? Unless the workers, unless God builds the house, the workers labor in vain. Amen? 
right? The spirit should go before. So the spirit-led community of faith, the spirit-led church is one that waits on the voice of God, the one that waits for the anointing of the spirit, the, the ones that are patient and listen and discern and don't go ahead of God, right? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. You know, most people divide Isaiah into three different parts. And the last part of Isaiah, I think it's 55 and on, is post-exilic. So it's after the people were exiled because of the rebellion and sin, and then they've come back to Jerusalem, and they're trying to rebuild the city. And so when you read this, when you read Isaiah 61, read it with the lens of the people have returned to Jerusalem and they're trying to rebuild the city, the walls, and also rebuild the temple, but they're mourning because they can't return the temple to its former glory. It's not the same. They can't rebuild the city to its former glory. It's not the same, and they're mourning, and they're weeping, and they're brokenhearted. And God offers the promise of restoration and renewal and salvation. But he's saying, without me, without my spirit, right? That doesn't happen in power. That doesn't truly happen. But when I go with you, I am with you and I promise you, we will rebuild the ancient ruins we will restore the places long devastated. We will renew the ruined cities. Right? And strangers will come and live beside you and shepherd your flocks. And you will be called priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. You'll feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Um, are you with me, church? When the Spirit of the Lord goes, lands upon the prophet, right? Justice happens. Freedom happens. Why does Jesus choose to read this? In many ways, because Isaiah 61 is a prophecy of the Messiah, right? It's the prophecy of the Messiah. And so Jesus is saying, Right? He closes a scroll in Luke chapter 4 and says, the scripture has been fulfilled among you today. And the people are like, ah, what? How dare you say that's you? Right? You're the Messiah. But and if you read Luke, Luke is often called the gospel of the Holy Spirit. Luke and Acts are the gospels of the Holy Spirit because if you read Luke and Acts, you see it's all about how much the Holy Spirit is moving and empowering uh, the ministers and the community of faith. The Spirit moves. So even in the first part of Luke, you'll see, right, the Spirit, like a dove, descends upon Jesus during his baptism, right? And God says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. There's this anointing, the dove coming down on Jesus. And then Jesus goes to the wilderness for temptation. But what does it say? It says, Jesus, filled with the Spirit, goes to the wilderness. 
And, and before Luke chapter 4, it says, when he goes into the temple, Jesus, filled with the Spirit, goes into the temple, takes the scroll, and reads this, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. The Spirit of God goes before God's prophet, goes before the Messiah, goes before God's people. The Spirit of God is the real-time, real IRL, right? In real life, power of the kingdom of heaven in our midst. Amen? Otherwise, it's just technique, skills, right? Our efforts. But we need the Spirit to go with us. Also, what does the Spirit of God do? When the Spirit of God anoints his person, that person becomes a prophetic voice, right, to the world. And the prophetic voice is not always the popular voice, right? Jesus, you know, was immediately chased after that. It's like, you know what? I've come with the Spirit. And all the poor out there that you guys have been neglecting, all of the prisoners and captives, they're going to be set free. We're going to bring forth a jubilee where the tables are overturned. And he actually, it's not a spiritual, the poor, you know, the spiritually poor. It's Jesus is literally also talking about the poor because that's his, was his ministry, right? What does he do? He goes out and he touches people and heals people. Right? And brings people to him. He wants access that these people don't have to the temple. Everyone has access to my Father God. That's what Jesus does in his ministry. And as people of Jesus, of the Jesus way, we follow that. We follow his lead. We embody, as the body of Christ, we embody Christ with the Holy Spirit empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out and be witnesses to God's glory for the glory of God and for the good of neighbor, for good news, to proclaim, not to be the good news, right? To proclaim and witness to the good news. Amen. And where will we go from there? I'm excited. Like, coming off my sabbatical and meeting all the new people that have been at Renew, I'm excited, right? Because I, th you know, I won't always, I won't make this public all the time, but it's like, we're planting again. I'm planting again, right? And, like, God has planted a seed. God has planted a seed, and the promise is we are going to be like oaks of righteousness. We're going to live into this passage. We will be called oaks of righteousness, right? A planting to proclaim jubilee to all God's people. Where there once was ruins, we will, we will celebrate a new, new life and new buildings. Lives transformed, people changed, Families brought together, reconciliation happening, a community of difference living in unity, 
Amen? How beautiful is that? And my, my challenge to us is, will you be a part of that? How is God calling you to be a part of that? Come, follow me, the anointed one. Not me, Jesus. <laughs> the anointed one. And proclaim the year of God's favor with me. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that on this weekend when many people will declare the independence of a nation, the independence and freedom that uh, our country, the U.S. of A, America, uh, won, that you declare a freedom that is more than any of all that, freedom for all the captives. And so we proclaim that higher than any nation's declaration that you um, are the one that sets free, that sets your people free from the bonds of captivity. You give us freedom and interdependence uh, on one another and you as the spirit empowers and guides us. In Jesus' name, amen.